What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. This is my baby. And these two were just along riding my carpet, my carpet table. Kevin Sherrington. I did not choose the dance life. It chose me. Barry Horn. You know what my intention is? When's the last time that anybody has ever asked you a question? No one's ever asked me a question. I'm married. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Balls. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we're going to talk about the Cowboys. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Cowboys Ballsy with a Z Podcast. And with us right now is... Trey Wingo, ESPN's Trey Wingo, a television star for many years who's about to make a move, I think, to a uh, more progressive medium, radio. Trey, thanks for being with us. I'm here with Evan Grant. I'm Barry Horn. You're Trey Wingo. And who are you, Evan? Got it covered. Got it covered. We've, Trey, we've been working on, um, on intros here. Um, maybe you can give Barry some tips. Um. Say, hey, how's it going? Hey, how's it going, Trey? It's going great, guys. How are you? Uh, we're great. Uh, you have something new coming up uh, in your life. What time will you be waking up to do a radio show with Mike Golick? Far too early. That's the only answer I can give you. Um, but, uh, yeah, starting on Monday, uh, Golick and Wingo on ESPN Radio and ESPN2 and the ESPN app. We're, we're excited about it. Did, did ESPN spend a lot of money to come up with that name? Did they, they hire a research yeah. firm? Golick and yeah. Yes, here's the best part about this. Is that they did hire, like, this marketing team, and they went through, like, 30 names, and they went through all this testing and said, yeah, we just decided on Golick and Wingo. I'm like, we probably could have told you that from the start and saved you a little bag. But, what was, uh, that, what, that was the process. What was the, what was the most interesting name that they came up with that they're not going to use? Well, I don't know. They didn't tell me what the other names were. Uh, I threw out Wingolic because it's both of our names together, oh. and I was laughed out of the room pretty quickly on that one. Well, well but, you, but your first name is Mike. Why didn't you just go with Mike and Mike? Well, that's the thing. I, I thought about changing it legally just to, so, to avoid any confusion, but they said, no, that wasn't necessary. I, I don't know. I, for me, it would have been like Mike and his Wingo man. <laughs> that would work. But Evan, yeah, you could have made like five hundred thousand no, uh, dollars. I'm sure so. ESPN paid a lot that marketing firm a lot of money. So what's it? I don't want to say that you're replacing Mike Greenberg because I think this show is going to have a different identity. But how do you kind of create a different identity from what that show was for 17 years? Well, look, that show was amazing. I mean, it it, it was it created something that really didn't exist, which was the local, uh, you know. A national morning radio show, um, and they had an unfettered run. I mean, they you know they're they're both in the radio broadcasting hall of fame uh, because of that show. So, um, you know, I, I kind of look at this in a very similar way to when I replaced Boomer on the draft. I mean, there's a pretty good foundation there. My job's just not to burn it to the ground. And I think that uh, as long as they don't let me play with matches, I think we'll be all right. So, what 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 are the hours of of the show? So so we know. Well, East Coast time, it's 6 to 10. So here uh, it's 5 to 9. You'll be on... 5 to 9, yeah. 
1033 here in, in town. Um, I, I got yeah. to tell you, because this is my life, ratings are my life. That show used to be, when Mike and Mike were, were going full gear, that was the number two show, uh, sports talk show in the area. Now it's number three at that time. Uh, you th- what do you think you, you can do to, to help boost the ratings? Well, clearly, we'll just talk about the Cowboys nonstop. I mean, that's pretty much it. We're just going to do four hours of Dallas Cowboy talk. Uh, look, I, I, know, I don't want to sound like flip about this because I understand how important it is, but I can't worry about that. I, I think that the show is best when we do what we think is right, and, and it's, it's sort of our own version and vision of things. you know. And if, if you get caught up in, hey, promoting this market or that market and all that stuff, then the show... I think loses whatever it's going to be organically. So basically what we're going to try and do is just do what Mike and Mike have done uh, for many years, which is think, okay, you know, what are the hot topics that most people in sports are talking about these days uh, or this morning based on what happened last night, and that's what we're going to do. I mean, you, you can sort of go down the rabbit hole with, okay, well, what about this demographic here and that demographic there and this market? And then your head spins and you're thinking about everything except the content of the show. And, and I think that you have to just be true to that part of it and then let it play out. Yeah, I, I, being the long-term radio expert that I am, I would think that uh, if you worry too much about demographics, if you worry too much about trying to create something uh, manufactured, what you end up with is... That's what we do here, Evan. ...is forced. <laughs> um, and as you can tell, uh, Barry... Um, Barry forces the chemistry here very, very much. So. No, absolutely, I can feel it. It's palpable. Trey, is this is this a promotion? Is this something you wanted to do, or did you do something that they said, "Okay, you're doing radio from fi- from five a.m. in the morning"? No, here's how it all went down. Okay, um, you know, um, about a year and a half ago, they came to me and said, "Hey, listen, we'd like to have you more as a permanent fill-in on Mike and Mike." Because I'd done it for years, and for whatever reason, that just sort of stopped. And <clears throat> uh, They said, we'd like to work out an arrangement with you where whenever one of them is not here, you come in and do the show. And I said, okay. And then I started doing it a lot more than I ever did. And then you started hearing these rumblings. Well, maybe there might be some changes in the morning, and, you know, that uh, Greenberg might want to go on and do something else. And So I was like, oh, okay. And it, so it sort of morphed into from, hey, we'd like you to be the permanent uh, fill into, hey, how would you think about maybe doing this? Uh, you know, if things go the way that, you know, people may be talking about. And, and so that sort of started the process, and that's how it eventually got to, hey, would you want to do this? And, you know, I've been here 20 years. I've known Golik for almost all of those years. We live a mile apart from each other in the same town. Our kids grew up together. Um, you know, it's kind of refreshing having been somewhere for a long time, to have uh, a new adventure, you know, and sort of uh, have a chance to do something different. So uh, that part I'm really looking forward to. All right, Trey, well, what we're going to do is we're going to help you out. Um, okay. We're going <laughs> to, since uh, we've got some time here, we're going to, like, talk about some of the topical stuff of the day so that you can kind of get a warm-up for the radio show. Is that all right? <laughs> you bet. Go for it. All right, so uh, the Cowboys. Let's talk about the product on the field first before we get into Roger versus Jerry. But I'd like to get into Roger versus Jerry with you. Um, yeah. The product on the field. This team have a have a legitimate playoff shot at this point in time. 
Well, they're in the hunt, and, and you know they, they have they have games that that can certainly help them. But look, it's not just about Ezekiel Elliott being not being there right now. Tyron Smith is a is a linchpin left tackle. Sean Lee is an eraser of mistakes on defense. I mean, you look at the numbers that they give up rushing when he plays and when they don't when he doesn't play, it's startling. Right. Uh, the other thing is the last two games they've been outscored forty-seven to nothing after the half. And what's really amazing about that is you go back to the Kansas City game where they had what I like to call the gaff at the half where they let that Tyreek Hill play waltz into the end zone. Sure. Uh, and how they were able to rebound and focus and get out there and get after him in the second half. And compare and contrast that to what we've seen in Atlanta and what we saw Sunday night against Philadelphia. So that's part of, to me, that's part of coaching. So there's a lot of things that aren't working right for the Dallas Cowboys right now. The offensive line, which was so dominant last year, isn't as dominant as it as it has been, uh, as it was last year, this year. Some of that's Tyron Smith. Some of that's some other stuff. I mean, you walk, you watch the game Sunday night, and you know, Martin and some of those other guys were getting shoved back into the uh, in the backfield on more than one occasion. Well, they and, need to get the offensive line. They get to get the offensive line short away before they can get anything else going. And you mentioned something just now: forty-seven nothing after the half in these last two losses. I tweeted yesterday that in their five losses, they've been outscored one ten to twenty-three after halftime. Uh, and that got a lot of response from from social media, in that uh, it did seem to be a reflection on the coaching staff. Do you believe that's correct? I believe that's that has to be part of it because things were working in the first half. I mean, look, it was nine seven at the half, right. right? I mean, it was nine seven. Look, and I'm not taking anything away from Philadelphia. They get paid too, you know. So sometimes they're just going to be better than you. But what to what you tweeted and what we just talked about, we have seen a trend here of not being able to find different ways to win. Bill Belichick's greatest strength as a coach, I've always said this, is he will always tell his team, if we can find a lot of different ways to win, we're going to be just fine. The Cowboys need to find a different way to win now because the, the, the formula that has worked for them last year and in large parts this year is not working right now. So they have to find new ways to create plays for their playmakers that they have on the field. And they still have enough to compete, and they still have enough to win some of these games that could get them back into the playoff hunt. Do you think- so it is now imperative on that coaching staff to find different ways to win. Yeah, are you still doing a lot of the NFL studios throughout the uh, – you to finish out the year on ESPN, do the season uh, doing studios? Yeah, I'll still do NFL Live and NFL Primetime throughout the Super Bowl, all, all through the Super Bowl, yeah. Well, so you're, you'll be doing – so you'll be getting a little extra in your paycheck, correct? Because you're going to be um, – Well, when this whole thing came through, we, uh, we came okay. to a new agreement. So, so, when, so when the, with, with the draft and the radio and everything, so. So let so let me ask you this the the NFL uh, as the, uh, putting on your keeping on your NFL cap uh, what what should folks expect to see Thanksgiving Day when they play the Chargers? Well, they they better learn how to block because you know the trouble they had with Adrian Claiborne, who was a fine player. He ain't Joey Bosa and he isn't Melvin Ingram. Okay, those two guys single-handedly ruined the Nathan Peterman experiment for the Buffalo Bills on Sunday. Uh, almost every one of those interceptions he threw was because there was pressure in his face. Uh, and they better figure out a way to block those two guys because those two guys can ruin a offensive game plan pretty quickly. Um, so if they can't get those guys blocked, I think we're going to see a lot of the same struggles that we saw Sunday night against the Eagles. You know, Trey, you just mentioned blocking those guys, but I watched the Monday night game last night. And, again, it amazed me that a team that's got running problems in, in, in the Seattle Seahawks, they seem to find a way to take their very mobile quarterback and roll him out or bootleg him. 
and I don't see the same thing from the Cowboys. I don't see any um, – I, I think the issue that I have when it comes down to the coaching aspect of it is what I'd like to see on Thursday is I'd like to see Dak moved out a little bit, to have him roll out a little bit, to get him moving and maybe buying some time. I think he actually throws the ball pretty well on the run. That's something oh, I don't absolutely. think we saw. No, look at that Look at that play against Kansas City uh, to Terrence Williams, okay? Rolled out to his right, and he, you know – Williams was wide open, but my God, that was an unbelievable throw on the move. Right. You know, to, to quote from a certain generation, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, can I move? I'm better when I move, you know. Right. When Robert Redford is shooting that block of wood down in Bolivia, uh, that, is, that is something that I think uh, is missing from the Cowboys' arsenal, and it is something that they can use to their strength. But again, that's going to be very difficult against this team because of the pressure that both Ingram and Bosa can attack from both sides. So if he's going to roll out, you better make sure you've got the side he's rolling out to on lockdown. Right. What is the view in Bristol on uh, 88, Des Bryant? Um, you know, Des is battling through some injuries right now. But, you know, he, he since 2014, he's been banged up a lot. I mean, in 2014, he put up the 16 touchdowns and did catch it against the Packers uh, in the <laughs> divisional playoff run. But that's a separate issue entirely. Are you a Cowboy um, fan? Are you a closet Cowboy fan? Well, I, I grew up a Cowboys fan. I will not absolutely. I, you know, I, I took my dad to all three Super Bowls in the nineties. So, uh, uh, you do this long enough, you kind of lose your sure. fandom a little bit. But uh, yeah, I grew up a Cowboys fan, no question about it. Another North, um, another Northeasterner who grew up a Cowboy fan. It's amazing. Well, my whole family's from Texas, so my dad's right. from San Antonio, my mom's from Texarkana. Um, but uh, look, it's not been as explosive uh, this year as as he has been in years past. And, you know, they're, they're going to need him now more than ever with uh, what's going on with Zeke. Trey, I'm, I I need help here because in the Jerry versus Roger uh, Armageddon death match here, I, I don't know who, if anybody, to pull for. Can can you kind of give me a, a walkthrough guide on that? Oh, well, <laughs> secret option three? I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, look, uh, would it be great if they decided to settle it like in a pay-per-view event somehow, some way? They'd probably sell out AT&T Stadium. Um, Jerry would be all for that then, I'm sure. <laughs> Jerry, would yeah. stri- Jerry would strip down to trunks for that, I think. Oh, ab- absolutely he would. Look, look, Jerry is not – I don't think he's backing down anytime soon here. I mean, you know, he's done this before, as you guys well know. The NFL Trust of 1993, when all the money from all the national sponsorships went into one pool and it was divided equally, and Jerry was like, yeah, I don't think so. That was the year he went Pepsi, Nike, and American Express when the three uh, sponsors for the NFL were Visa, Coca-Cola, and Adidas. Right. And, you know, there was a suit by the league and a countersuit by Jerry. And guess what? They settled that case, and every owner now can market his own team and own stadium. So uh, Jerry, uh, you know, the, the article by Seth Wickersham and Don Vandata on ESPN.com, I think, painted a very uh, accurate picture of, you know, for lack of a better term, uh, to use from the Godfather, going to the mattresses here. Jerry, I don't think he has any interest in slowing down until he's played all his available options. But is anybody right in this? Well, that's an excellent I mean, let, let, you know, it's one thing to who who wins this. That, that That's one question. But I think uh, my philosophical issue is, is anybody right? Well, let me put it this way. Uh, that, that depends on one big thing. Because Jerry believes that he was given... Uh, some con- assurances by Roger that there would not be right. a suspension for Ezekiel Elliott. And I think this is the real spur in his saddle. Correct. Um, however, J- you know, because J- 
Jerry said months ago, Roger's doing an A-plus job for us, A-1. I mean, that was on the record. And then the only thing that's changed was the Ezekiel Elliott suspension. But all that being said, there are some legitimate points that I think Jerry is raising about the compensation for the commissioner. There's still 18 months left on this contract. 18 months. Uh, and there have been some hits in the NFL over this season, over the anthem protests and lower ratings. So I can understand why Jerry would say, well, wait a minute. If things aren't as rosy as they have been, why are we in a rush to tear up 18 months on a contract and give a guy a 25% raise? Uh, on the other hand, uh, the only thing that's changed, really, that would change Jerry's mind is that one of his star players was suspended. So I don't know if there's anybody right here, but there, I think there's, there are aspects to both sides that you can say, I understand why they feel that way, and I understand why he feels that way. Trey, I think you're, you hit the nail on the head. I, I don't think it's so much that Zeke was suspended. I think it was that Jerry thought he had assurances that Zeke would not be suspended, and he went out and yeah. he, he was telling everybody that Zeke wouldn't be suspended, and then, boom, it was like, it was like a punch to the gut when, when, when this all went down. So may, maybe that's... That that's it. It's not so much the suspension, which I'm sure he doesn't like, but it's that he, right. he thinks he was misled. Yeah, that's I'm certainly that's part of it, and certainly that's what the the article by Seth Wickersham and Don Benetta referred to. You uh, tr- uh, you want to move to colleges, Trey? Sure, why not? Uh, more attractive job, UCLA or Florida? You're Chip Kelly. Yeah. Why are you insulting um, well, him? Which part was the insult? The, the, you, you're Chip Kelly. Yeah, that was the insult part. Okay, I got we're, you. we're not big Chip Kelly fans here. Well, I, I think he's certainly better suited for the college game than he is for the NFL game. Um, look, you uh, feel Florida gives you the SEC, yep. you know, but UCLA gives you Los Angeles. Um, the SEC has historically, over the last 15 years, been the best conference in college football. Uh, but, but you know, the, the, the downside of that is if you're going to win, look at the teams you have to beat. Mm-hmm. You know, and that makes it very difficult as long as a certain coach is in Tuscaloosa and in Birmingham. Right. Uh, so that makes that might maybe slightly less attractive. Uh, the UCLA job, you know, Jim Mora won. He won a ton there. I mean, you, you look at his record and what they were before he got there and what he turned them into, um, that's kind of a, to me, if that's not good enough, then what is? For UCLA, you know, and, and I think uh, I, I, the, if you're asking me to pick one, I guess I would have to say the SEC gives you the best chance to recruit and go up against the best players, and that's I think what 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 drives a lot of these kids coming out of high school. Uh, but there are certainly things that are good and, and bad about both of these jobs. Trey, you went to a Big Twelve school. Do you think Chip could fit into the Big Twelve, say at Texas A and M, if that job came open? Chip Kelly could fit in wherever he wanted to. You know, I mean, the uh, the idea is that Chip has a system and he's going to run it. Uh, and I think we can all say with some certainty that defenses in the Big 12 over the last few years have not been that great. Uh, so if you can take a guy who can attack and attack and attack on offense like Chip Kelly, yeah, I think maybe he, he might be interested in a place where maybe defense isn't as stressed because he knows how to tear defenses apart even when they are stressed. Well, I, I think you know we had we had Feinbaum on a couple of weeks ago, and we talked about the Chip Kelly aspect, and we talked about Chip Kelly at A and M, and 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 I think Paul's perspective was not so much about schemes. That certainly the Kelly the, the Chip Kelly scheme works very well in colleges, and it 
it does he's very innovative on that front but the question i think was how would chip kelly relate to texas college texas high school football coaches how would he do in the culture here that would the personality play here and i think you know in florida um uh, maybe that's a little bit less of an issue, and I think certainly in in Los Angeles it's, it's even less. I I think that was the issue on whether or not Kelly would be a good fit for for A and M. Well, you know, I, I understand that, but at the end of the day, you know, all you have to do is look at his resume and what he did in college, right? And I think that's what that's what he can say. He said, "Look, I understand all this stuff. Here's what I have done, and here's what I can do for you." And I, and I think that might be the trump card over everything else. You know, when the Big 12 kind of broke up and you had all these all these schools going different directions, uh, you had A&M go to the SEC, you had Colorado go to the Pac-12, Nebraska go to the Big Ten, Missouri, uh, Missouri, Missouri. go to the SEC. Um, all of those schools except A&M have played at least one conference championship game, but no conference titles. And, and, and my point, social media-wise, is has this migration worked out for these teams um not really you know i mean uh, i look if you, if going back to what you're talking about and and, and the regional success uh of the, of the big 12 and the rivalries that texas a&m had with so many of those schools uh you know i mean texas a&m sort of just lost in the wash they're mm-hmm. at the SEC right now. Well, don't you feel that way? Uh, absolutely. I mean, but I, when you talk to Aggies, and I, I don't know if they're trying to convince themselves or what, they talk about the financial oh, sure. windfall of the SEC, and that's all great. It's a silver but, lining. But it's still about winning championships. And I, I, I do believe you could more stomach this move if you're an Aggie or if you, if, if you look at the Big 12 and say, all right, if A&M and Texas still played at the end of the year, and they still played rivalry week, just like like so many other schools will this week. That it would be a little bit more acceptable. But now you're a mid tier SEC team. You're going nowhere. You're always looking up at Alabama and Auburn, and you don't even have that rivalry game. No, you're right. There's there's not a lot there that that sort of uh, jumps off the page. Um, and college, let's be honest, college athletics, big time college athletics, is driven by finances. Right. There's no question about that. So from that perspective, yeah, that was great. Uh, but at the end of the day, you still have to have the thing that people. What is the thing that people always talk about with college football? It's the traditions. It's the traditions that we love. We love the fact that, like you just said, rivals. We have the Iron Bowl this week. Okay, mm-hmm. you know that that game is going to be fantastic for a variety of reasons. And right now, because of that move to the SEC, you really don't have any of that right. uh, with some of these great old Texas schools. I mean, yeah, the old Southwest Conference. It was the greatest. You know. Everybody knew who everybody was, and they were all going to play all in the state of Texas with this one game in Arkansas, you know, and it was, they all just, everything felt like it was a familial thing. I love the old Southwest Conference. I thought it was fantastic. Trey, you, when you were watching TV and you saw Baker Mayfield go for the crotch, the crotch grab, yeah. what, what was your reaction to that? Well, the, uh, two reactions. One, not great, okay? <laughs> but but my, let's put that one out there. Yeah, probably not his best move. Let's be clear about one thing. He went out there to shake hands with the captains, and those captains had none of it. Right away, basically, you're basically doing what he did to them, to him, to start the game. But That's no, over. but but no, but nobody can name the, the the three Kansas captains or the four Kansas. None captains. of the three Kansas captains are up. Are, They're are up for the Heisman, Heisman Trophy. Trophy, and none of the three cap- Kansas captains I had planted the flag. But yeah, 
that doesn't that doesn't make it any less stupid. Agreed. You know what I mean? You know, especially you're Kansas, okay? You know, I, I think the last thing you want to do is give this guy extra motivation because he's uber competitive to begin with, and that game was really chippy. And they took some shots at Baker on more than one occasion. So let, let's just go through the process. You know who this guy is. So you, you go out there and do that. To, I'm not defending his actions. I want to be clear about that. You should not have done it, and he apologized for it. But you basically have an uber-competitive guy. You go out there and basically poke the bear, and then you try and take some cheap shots at the bear, and then you're surprised when he goes down the field and has success and has a little something for you. Uh, you know, I mean, what, what did you think was going to happen? But, but America is, is looking at that, and they're thinking, who is this jerk? You know, they, they, don't, we, they don't know about anything that happened before that. They know that he planted the flag at Ohio State. He had some issues in Arkansas with the police. They know, they know he's, he's, he's supposed to – he's the Heisman Trophy favorite. Not, I think that was not a very smart move. No, no one's saying it's a smart move. But, I, you know, I do find it interesting that we're, we sort of head to red line over issues like this. I mean, I, you know, I talk to guys that I work with on the NFL. They're like, yeah, I want that guy. I want that guy to be that way if he's going to be the leader of my team. Not saying he should have done it. And, you know, again, we're, I'm not excusing anything he did. But at the end of the day, uh, I, to me, the much more troubling issue is what happened in Arkansas. And the whole plant, uh, flat, planting the flag thing, I, I, I thought much ado was made about that. Zero I mean, issue with that. Correct. Zero issue yeah, with the planting the flag. And I think you bring yeah. up a great point because I thought the same thing. You watch the guys from Kansas look down at the at, at the turf, refuse to even look him in the eye, refuse to shake his hand. Yeah, I expect him to be fired up. Should he have grabbed his yeah. crotch? Should he have? Should he have, no. No, he shouldn't. Have. No. But you get into stuff where where there's there's law enforcement involved. Now all of a sudden that's a bigger issue. But I don't think uh, that that these two issues this year should cost him any Heisman votes. Wherever his Heisman candidacy was going into the season. It should only be influenced by going his play into the, on the field. or going into the game where he was the clear favorite going into the well, game. It, but it's probably it's going to cost him Heisman votes. I promise you. Uh, yeah, and you know I'm a guy that didn't vote for Kurt Schilling last year over some things that he said on, on uh, related to um, politics. But uh, yeah. so it's 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 probably wrong of me to be preachy here. But I don't think what Breaker Mayfield did was anything other than in the spirit of competition. Was it kind of classless? Yeah, but. Let's not let's look at the history of the Heisman Trophy. We've had some guys who have won this trophy who aren't exactly model citizens. Right. Look, look. At the end of the day, I'm a big believer in separating performance from everything else, uh, unless it's an egregious situation. You know, the problem with Baker is because this was on top of what happened at Ohio State, which I did not think was a big issue. And the bigger issue of what happened in Arkansas, then people are like, well, look at this and this and this, and you add this into it. I mean, you can do that if you want. I'm not going to. And the other interesting thing is we talk about Baker as if he was the shoe-in for the Heisman Trophy. If you look at the numbers that Lamar Jackson once again is putting up at Louisville, they're almost identical to what he did a year ago, and I think they're slightly better than what Baker has done. Now, you can talk about the competition, but if you look at the numbers, the numbers are pretty good for Lamar Jackson as well this year again. Who's the best player in college football in your mind this year? You know, see, I always look at it from a different perspective of, of who is going to get drafted mm-hmm. and how they're going to get drafted as to who, 
who's the best player in the game right now. I mean, look, for seven weeks it was Saquon Barkley. Mm-hmm. There's no question about it, you know. And for the last few weeks it's been Baker Mayfield. And then before that, or for a consistent basis, it might be Lamar Jackson. So, you know, for me, when I'm always watching the game, I'm looking at college games, how do I see this translating into the NFL? And that's obviously wired into my system from doing this show for 15 years. Um, so I'm looking at, 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 a, at a slightly different uh, sort of viewpoint than I guess most people would. But, you know, I, I think at this point you'd have to go between those, one of those three, and depending on where you are in the time of the season, that's where you make your choice. Where does Baker Mayfield go in the draft? That's a great question. Um, there are some limitations, and obviously the size is an issue. But, you know, what he's like in a lot of ways physically is like Russell Wilson. You know, he's a, he's a stocky, he's a, he's a smaller guy, but he's a stocky guy. And, and, and he has a lot of the same characteristics. The, the difference or the biggest question will be with some of these off-field antics that we've talked about. The one thing that, that Russell has in just boatloads is just he, he oozes leadership. He, he oozes charisma, you know what I mean? And uh, after some of the amazing plays he made in the Monday night game, you could see him, you know, go back out there and try and get his defense fired up and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, everybody buys into that with Russell. Um, I, I think at this point you're looking at maybe a second or uh, a third, maybe third-round draft pick in Baker Mayfield. Uh, and, and, you know, he could be one of those guys that surprises people in the draft, depending on how things go. You know, it's always funny, guys. That draft will always change from February to April, where your where your draft stock rises or falls, and it has nothing to do with your play on the field. Because it's, it's how you com- look at the underwear Olympics at the combine. It's how you do in the interviews. It's how you do at your pro days. And essentially, you always you know people can either fall in love with a guy or fall out of love with a guy in that process, and they're not playing a single down. I'd always like to be great to have two drafts, one right after the season and then one in April, and see how different those two drafts would be. We do go through that kind of paralysis uh, by over-analysis. Yeah, Absolutely. It, yeah. it drives me nuts. All right, let's go to a very quick uh, – got to let you go, but we let's go to a very quick, very, very quick lightning round. Um, this was a lightning round. Yeah, you're not good at that, Barry. The, <laughs> this, oh, we're going to the so lightning, what lightning player, round. So what player coming out this year will have the most impact in the NFL? Uh, right away? Best NFL career. The best NFL career. Well, I, in that case, I, I'd have to go with one of the quarterbacks, and I'm going to say it's probably going to be Sam Darnold or Josh Allen. Okay. Josh Hill. Sorry, Josh Hill. Josh Hill. Second, uh, did you see the letter that Joe Morgan sent out on behalf of the Hall of Fame this, this morning? I did. Thoughts? Jo- uh, let me just. What is it? Let me just lay this out. Joe Morgan, the yeah, vice they, chairman yeah, of the Hall of Fame, urging voters yeah. not to vote for people who were named in the Mitchell Report or who were tied to steroids, this is the closest the Hall of Fame has ever come because this was sent out on the Hall of Fame's own press release, own letter, basically their own letterhead. This is the closest they've ever come to telling voters how they would like them to vote on steroids. Your thoughts? Yeah. Look, you either, to me it's a, it's a zero-sum game. Either none of them get in or all of them get in mm-hmm. because you can't selectively choose. You know, Bob Cousins once said it great because he was talking about uh, you know, how they changed the pitching mound uh, uh, back in the day, which made it much more difficult, you know. And he said there should be a blueprint or something at the Hall of Fame. Look, the rules were changed, the rules were broken, or different things changed, and in this era, these people dominated uh, for these variety of reasons, and then you just go by the numbers. Uh, but I, I, my thing is it, it has to be all or nothing. You can't say this guy's out because he did steroids, 
and this guy gets in because he did steroids, because that's just selective outrage, and that's no good for anybody. Okay. okay, okay. You're a Baylor alum. Do you like the direction of the football program, the way it's headed now? Well, I, do I like the, this season? No. No, but I, that's, I'm talking about the program overall. Do I believe in Matt Rule? Yes. I do believe. Phone call. Uh, I do believe Matt Rule is the guy to turn this around. I, I, look, what he did at Temple was remarkable. I mean, when was the last time you thought about When was the last time you put the words Temple and football in a sentence before you got Matt Rule there? It, it didn't happen. When okay. I was going to Hebrew uh, school? Exactly. Evan, Evan, couldn't, Evan couldn't watch the, the Falcons game last Sunday because he had to be in Temple. That there was the go. last time. Close enough. Close enough. Respect. Um, so, so my my thing there is, I believe let's let's let it play out. Everyone wants the hot take and the the immediate satisfaction. Let's just see how it plays out and go forward from there. All right. Last thing, who's your final four in the CFP? Uh, well, we'll find out over the next two weeks because that changes everything, right? Correct. I mean, with these conference championship games, so I could tell you, but it doesn't matter. That's I do love the, the reveal that we do every Tuesday, and it's great theater and it's great television. And it's great drama for us. There's a lot of interest. But at the end of the day, none of it matters. You still have to play the game. Right. You and know, it, it, so much out. of it will be determined by Championship Saturday. But, but it's, geni- it's genius because everybody talks about it and everybody Absolutely. looks forward to it. It's, it's, great. it's marketing genius. But if you had to pick four teams right now, go. All right, I would go Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, can, I play, can I say like the winner of Clemson-Miami? Yes. No, I want, you I, to pick, I want you to pick an actual winner of that game. I'm going to pick an actual winner of that game. I'm going to go Clemson. Okay. So I'm going to put Clemson in there. Uh, and if Alabama's there, I'm assuming uh, we're, we're going to assume that uh, Georgia didn't pull the upset. Oh, you're so just breaking got... Evans. Evans a Georgia fan. Well, I, I get that. Okay. It's okay. okay. So just okay. So just for you, well, just for you, Evan. Okay. Let's assume that Georgia somehow beats Alabama in a close championship game. Yes. Alabama's going no matter what, okay? Right. I think Alabama is in regardless. So let's go Georgia, Alabama, uh, let's uh, let's put uh, Clemson in there, and then I think Oklahoma. So you have Wisconsin losing the Big the Big Ten championship game? Yeah, maybe. Okay. Uh, and, you know, the other thing is if, if Ohio State somehow throttles people in the in – the, uh, Big Ten championship game, that'll change things. I know they have two losses. I get it. I understand right. that. But a lot of people will look at their schedule and say, well, wait a minute now. Absolutely. Absolutely. If, if, uh, if TCU beats Oklahoma in, in a Big 12 championship, do they have any shot with two losses? No. Look, I, I, I don't think so. Okay. I don't think in any way, shape, or form. Okay. Oklahoma is the Big 12's only shot. Trey, this has, yeah, been, this has been great. And I, I do hope people will give um, – Give the show a listen when you guys start again. That's going to be uh, five to nine Central Time uh, on one hundred three point three FM here in DFW, six to ten Eastern, and and it's also going to be on the TV network, correct? Yeah, it'll be on ESPN two. ESPN two every morning. Um, thanks again for playing along. You, you, this is twice this year. You've really hit it out of the park for us. I appreciate that, guys. Always fun. All right, thanks, Trey. Take care, guys. Okay. I always, I always, he's a great guest. He was a great guest last time too. But I always fa- find it fascinating. I know he said his dad is from San Antonio and his mom is from uh, Texarkana, but he grew up in Connecticut. But he grew right. up in Connecticut and went to Baylor. And I, I always find that fa- he thinks I'm crazy every time I mention it to him. Well, but I, but I, but I think it's it's fascinating. I, I, I don't. I think, I think the more interesting thing is that he, he, not so much he ended up going to Baylor. Uh, you know, there's obviously family ties there, right? Yeah. 
but he grew up in the Northeast. He grew up a Cowboys fan, there. not a Giants fan. See, I brought that up, and, and he, he poo-pooed fan. it. But, you know, Jim Nance grew up in New Jersey. He's, he's a Cowboy fan. We know Chris Christie's a Cowboy fan. We had— uh, well, Why was Chris Christie wearing a Notre Dame <laughs> sweatshirt in the booth— with Jerry the other day, because I think I think I, I'm going to guess he got it from somebody at NBC, who's the uh, Notre Dame Network. They handed it to him that day, and he and he put it on. Just unbelievable. But 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 it was crazy. And then we had, of course, we had Chris Sims, not Chris Christie, on here last week. He grew up in New Jersey, and what team did he root for after his dad retired? The Dallas Cowboys. It's crazy. Well, it would be something if he rooted for the Dallas Cowboys when his father played. Yeah, but he did, he didn't do that. But he th- he I, he thought the Giants did his dad na- nasty, and that's why he did it. All right, last thing on a broadcast note, and then let's move on to Kevin. Um, get Who? him on the phone. Sherrington, who's in Arkansas, at a tiny little house in Arkansas. Um, the Joe Theismann Lawrence Taylor promo for Sunday Night Football. I thought that was such bad taste. I, 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 it was almost as bad taste as all those turkeys of showing all those turkeys. Now what? Yeah, the turkey house. Um, like, okay, which of these turkeys will not be alive next <laughs> yeah, year? That's like. Um, what was bad taste for you? Because of the injury? I, 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 because when those of Lawrence were, Taylor's pass? No, I think because of the injury. Because every time I cannot. Get that visual out of my mind every time I see the two together. Snapping off the leg was yeah, that and that was and that was it because it, it had a turkey theme to it. I thought it was a really bad taste. Well, it, I, here's the thing: it's really bad taste from your perspective and from my perspective. But if the two guys who were involved with it played along, that's what I. That's what I. Yeah, I'm sure there was money involved. Thank yes. you. I was making the yeah you Johnny were Manziel the Johnny Manziel money sign. But if they were willing to play along. I, I guess, you know, I can't sit here and complain. From my visual, I was like, yeah, I don't want to be remembered about how Joe Theismann's leg no, looked. No, I, I don't need to be reminded about that. I thought, but, but then the turkey, the turkey thing was over the top, I thought. Well, at least it wasn't another shot of, like, generic hard eight barbecue or, or something like that. <laughs> hey, we're in Texas. Here's barbecue. That's a CB, the hard eight thing is a CBS thing. But there, I don't think there were any shots of... Uh, there were no a- art AT and T Stadium art. No as, art as shots well. this week. Apparently, apparently they've heard they've I think heard I, us. I, I th- they've heard us, and I and I wrote uh, and I think I wrote about when will it when will it happen. And I, and I got to think, Fred Cadelli, who's the producer of that thing, said, "Screw Barry Horn. We're not going to do this." No, I. You know what I think it was? Edict from Goodell against <laughs> the Cowboys. Well, but you know, it was. I thought it was fascinating, and I did a Q and A with Al Michaels the other day. He's been to the Mercedes Benz Dome, and he said AT and T Stadium has it all over the Mercedes Benz Dome. Still, in terms of what? In terms of atmosphere, in terms of uh, beauty, in terms of of uh, the way it's constructed. I, I just thought that was a real compliment for for Jerry Jones and the citizens of Arlington who helped pay for it. I, yeah, I mean, I, and I have not been in um, the Mercedes-Benz Brand home new. In, in Atlanta. Um, they've obviously had some problems with the roof. The roof is going to be closed all year. Uh, they don't have the functional issues where it comes to the sunlight that I think AT&T Stadium does. Uh, and it's I, it's got a little different look with the Halo scoreboards as opposed to, to AT&T Stadium. I, I, I don't know. The one time that I was in AT&T Stadium for a Cowboys game as a fan, it still didn't exactly feel like... Okay. I, I just prefer the college atmosphere in a college stadium. Just going on it's a stupid Arkansas game when they, when they got blown out, it just felt more passionate, and I didn't spend the whole time looking at the TV screen... It's a great facility, and it it, it is it it is what it is. 
But I think it, it does represent what the Cowboys are, which is a social event, a cultural event. Uh, the Cowboys are in a lot of ways tied to the culture of the city of Dallas, much more so than, than most teams in any market are. All right, we got to get out of here. But before we get out of here, because I always have a before we get out of here line, Evan, tell us what else other uh, podcasts we have going today. Well, we're going to talk to Kevin Sherrington, who is up in Arkansas slopping the hogs, and um, we're going to talk to him about some college football. We'll hit on some of the subjects we hit with with Trey, but we'll hit on some other subjects as well. And then uh, I believe that we're going to have David Moore on to talk about the Cowboys and – uh, see if he's got any optimism for for where they are the remainder of the season. I don't know if they can win it with they'll win another game before Zeke comes back. I don't know about that. I I do want to talk with David about the need in my mind to get Dak to get Dak out of the pocket and rolling a little bit and maybe buy him some extra time because they certainly don't have any pass protection right now. But yeah. we'll get that but, to that but, with David. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back in just a few minutes with another edition of Ballsy. Thanks for listening to the Cowboys Ballsy with a Z podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see you.